The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is a prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. So we are starting a new series this morning, by the grace of God, titled, Better Together. Better Together. In, in part one, which is today, we are looking at Better Together, the common ground. And next week, in part two, we'll look at Better Together, the common wealth. And the week after that, we'll look at Better Together, the common health. And part four, we will be looking at Better Together, the uncommon life. In Ecclesiastes chapter four, Verse 9, the word of God says in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, that two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. Two are better than one. That is what God says in Matthew 18, 19. Matthew 18, 19. The word of God says, I also tell you this. If two of you agree on earth concerning Anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. The voice translation puts it this way. It says, and this, if two or three of you come together as a community and discern clearly about anything, my Father in heaven will do what? Will bless that discernment. So with God, two are always better than one. We are better together. God always works with the principle of unity, the principle of agreement, and it is exponential in its, in its results. But before we begin to get into all that, we need to lay a foundation today, and, and, and that is the fact that we need to have common ground before we can pull together. We need to have common ground before we can begin to talk about better together. For us as believers, our common ground is twofold. Number one, the blood of Christ, the blood of Jesus. Number two, Beyond the blood of Jesus, as using the blood of Jesus as a foundation, is the values we, we share. So, two things that bring us together, the blood of Jesus Christ. Without the blood of Jesus Christ, we can actually be together, but we cannot have fellowship. Fellowship happens because of the common ground of the blood on one hand. Because of the blood, we can now have Values. As a church, we have our values, our values, and those values bring us together. The values of different churches vary. In the early church, the common ground of the blood of Jesus brought them together. In Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it was expressed as a meeting place both in the temple and in the homes. 
It says they continued, Acts 2.46, they continued daily with one accord in the temple. Everybody say in the temple. In the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They did eat their meat with gladness and sickness of hearts. So they met in the temple, in the church, in the big service. And they went from there to meet from house to house. So the covenant of the blood was expressed in the common ground of the church. The big church as we have today, this morning. But it didn't end there. They went from house to house. They had house fellowships, if you will. So in God's favorite house, we, you have to be a part of a life group. You have to be a part of a house fellowship for you to complete that circle. That's, so that's on one hand. On the other hand, in Amos 3.3, 3, the word of God says in Amos 3.3, 3, that can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? In other words, two cannot walk together if they don't agree on the direction. That's what the word of God says. So our values, the direction, the things that are important to us, pull us together. So what I'm saying in essence is this. We are all connected. That was an error. By the blood of Christ and by the values that we share. We are all connected by what? By the blood of Christ and by the... That is our common ground. That is our common ground. The blood of Christ and the values that we share. And in God's favorite house, we have distilled our values to 12. We say we have 12 values as a church. These values we don't joke with. And if you've done the journey, you know the 12 values already. Right? Okay, so who wants to go? 12 values. If you get all the 12 right, you get, what do I give you? Um, a handshake. <laughs> a golden handshake. <laughs> okay. In, in God's favorite house, we, we say, we do say that, number one, we value a servant's spirit. We value a servant's spirit. We do actually believe that the greatest calling of the Christian is to serve other people. We actually believe in our hearts that the highest calling of every Christian is to serve other people. So we value a servant spirit. Number two, we value diversity. We value diversity. We are different. We all are different. We all express ourselves in different ways. We value diversity. We have different backgrounds, different ethnicity. In Gospel House, we have people from all over the country. In fact, we have people from all over Africa in Gospel House. In people from all over the world, apparently. Because, I mean, by the grace of God, we, we have Gospel House in, in different places. So, we value diversity. Even among us, we this morning, we dress differently to church. Among the pastors and the ministers, they dress differently. Some of us are wearing a blazer. Some people are wearing native. Some people are wearing something. I don't know if it's native or if it's, uh, you know. 
but they are wearing something. We, we, it's not a problem with us. We, we, we are not creating a culture where everybody looks like a caricature, everybody looks like this, the, the pastor, everybody must, must have uh, <laughs> a tie. Oh, I don't want to say something. <laughs> I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. <laughs> I'm just saying that we value diversity. If you don't get it, don't worry. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Number three, we value authenticity. We value authenticity. We believe in the authenticity of the individual. And we encourage people to be real. We encourage people to be genuine. We encourage people to be authentic. We don't have fake people in God's baby house. If you meet anyone that is fake in God's baby house, They won't be fake for long. Say amen. amen. We value authenticity. We, 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 we have zero tolerance for gossip. We, we dislike gossip. In God's baby house, we do not gossip. We don't do gossip. You know, that there are people that, that have, have, have left the church because they, they really must gossip. And the culture we create is so comfortable for them, and they have to leave. Praise God. In fact, there's somebody that, that, that just left, and you know, she's so entrenched in gossip. And she, there was a case, and I was on that case, and she knew that if this guy catches me, I'm in trouble. She left church. She was with us from the beginning of the church. She, she ran away. I said, keep running. Why? Because we, we don't have common ground. Praise the name of the Lord. If you insist that you will be fake, you don't belong here. If you insist that you don't like diversity, you don't belong here. If you insist that you, you cannot follow Jesus and have a servant spirit, praise God. God bless you. Value number four. We value what? Informality. We, we believe it is better to be personal than to be professional. By the grace of God, we are professional in our delivery. We focus on excellence. But when we are dealing with human beings, we deal with human beings as if they matter. We value the personal touch over the coldness of what is called Professionalism. Value number five. We value simplicity. We value simplicity. We value simplicity. We, we believe that the simplest is the strongest. The simplest messages are those that actually really change lives. Because that's what people understand. Jesus was simple. We've had cases of, of people coming to church and, and they say to them, oh, we want to see the pastor. And they point in my direction. And they come to me and they say, oh, we want to see the pastor. And I said, this is he. They're like, we said we want to see the, the pastor. You know? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm the pastor. And I could see on their faces, they're like, no. We know how the pastor should be. We are your bodyguards. In fact, there was a little boy. I was... I was, I mean, just at the car park over there, you know, I, I just like, I mean, greeting people sometimes, you know, when I'm, so I was walking, at, so I, I greeted the little boy and the mom, 
and and the mom was scolding the little boy that you know I'm your mother I trained you properly how can you be greeting the pastor like that and I didn't mind I was like what what's wrong with it and the boy says no that's not the pastor <laughs> and the mom says that's the pastor they've been coming to church at least at the time for over six months to a year you see the mom says that's the pastor the, the boy says that's not the pastor you know and what the boy says blew me away. The boy said, if he's the pastor, where are his bodyguards? So a little boy knew that we've complicated this thing called the gospel with things that has nothing to do with Jesus. So we value what? We value simplicity. Number six, we value flexibility. We value flexibility. We are flexible in God's favorite house. We, we, the only thing that cannot change is, is what? The lordship of Jesus. That's the only thing that will not and cannot change in God's favorite house. Every other thing can change. We are flexible. You can come to church one day and your chairs are floating. You have to sit on floated chairs. If you are not flexible, you will complain. But we are Flexible. We value flexibility. Number seven, we value teamwork. We believe in God's favorite house that none of us is as strong as all of us. None of us is as intelligent as all of us. None of us is as anointed as all of us. So we believe in the value of pulling together. We believe that we are actually better together. Number eight, we value continuous learning. We value continuous learning. So you will notice that people in God's favorite house, they are either reading a book, reading an article, going for a conference, going for a seminar, you know, just improving themselves and becoming better and better. Why? Because as a people, we value continuous learning. If you don't value continuous learning, you will struggle here. If you, if, you, if you disregard growth, personal growth, spiritual growth, you will struggle because that is our common ground. Number nine. Number nine, we value innovation. We value innovation. We believe innovation breeds excellence and excellence glorifies God and inspires people. Excellence glorifies God and inspires people. So we value innovation. We believe that God has given us creative minds to do things differently that stimulates and, and communicates the message of the cross in a more relevant way, perhaps, and that leads to life change. Number 10. Number 10, we value humor. We value humor. You notice that we laugh a lot in church. We laugh a lot in church. We are so, um, uh, what's the word? We are so um, full of laughter that um, we don't need a comedian. We, <laughs> we don't take ourselves seriously. We take our God seriously. You know, humor and humus are from the same word, which is from the word soil. So you cannot, you cannot value humor if you are not humble. Humility and laughing, they go together. If you are arrogant, you find it difficult to laugh. Even if the joke is good. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Number 11. Number 11, 
we value commitment. We believe that nothing happens until someone commits. You will not be married today if you did not commit to your spouse. You will not have a job today if you did not sign that employment letter. You will not have a business today if you did not resign from where you are, you were, and, and started off in faith. You will not have what you have until you commit. In fact, you're a product of your commitment. And number, and number 12, we value risk-taking. We value risk taking. We value risk taking. We have a mantra in God's favorite house. And that mantra is no small dreams or NSD. NSD. If you're on a project and you're bringing an idea and that idea is, 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 um, is, is, is tiny, you will just hear somebody say NSD. And you're like, are they abusing me? No, they're not abusing you. They're just telling you no small Dreams, no small dreams, no small dreams. We believe in dreaming big because our God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ever ask or imagine. So, as a people, we value people. We value connection with people. Why? Because where you will be in 10 years is going to be a product of the people and the books you are interacting with today. Today. Where you are today is a product of the people and the books you interacted with in the past. Where you will be in future will be the product of the people and the books you are interacting with. Check who are the people, who am I interacting with? That is your future. If you don't like the future of the friends of your wife, you need to tell, you need to change the friends because she will eventually become like them. Same thing, your husband, same thing, your children, same thing, your life, you will. And when it comes to Jesus, you know, Jesus, yes, Jesus doesn't, it's, it's a non-conformist, but Jesus loved people. Jesus is a non-conformist, but Jesus wasn't anti-people. Jesus will not align with the established religious organization, but Jesus had people around him. Jesus loved to be with people. Rick Warren puts it this way, and, and this is so powerful. He says that every believer is a belonger. Every believer is a belonger. If you're a believer and you, you believe and you don't belong, you will not believe for long enough. Every believer is a belonger. What you belong to determines your protection. What you belong to determines the resources available to you. What you belong to determines really how far you will go. Really. So if you say you are a believer and you are not a belonger, is a new word, something is wrong with that. You're an orphan. Try cutting off your finger. That if you accidentally cut off your finger, you can quickly put it back and it will, it will heal. They will stitch it and they know what to do with it, the experts. But did you know that the longer the finger stays away from the body, what happens? So in, in today's world, we idolize independence. Independence. 
financial independence. And there's, there's nothing wrong with independence. It's fine. But that's, that's not your destination. That shouldn't be your destination. We, we idolize mental independence. We, we idolize independence has become an idol. But if we really understood what God wants from us, we will see where independence is in the scheme of things. Now, every one of us, every one of us, were born dependent. We're born dependent. And that's, that's a good place to start. Now, the goal of every mother, every parent, is to train their child so that the child can be what? Independent. And that is the ideal. That should be the joy of every sane mother. Sane. So, the child should be independent. That's the goal. But, unfortunately, because children, maybe they are exposed to abuse, to manipulation. We have mothers that will never let their children go free. We have even husbands that prefer their wives to be co-dependent on them. So, now, Codependence is an unhealthy situation. Totally unhealthy situation. So, you, you know, the, the guy, the mom always wants my son to come back. He can't do anything without me. He's codependent on me. You know, something is wrong with that. Or you, you have a wife that wants a husband that is codependent on him or vice versa. That's not what God wants. God wants us to move from dependence to where? To independence. Thank you. Then, he wants us to move from independence to interdependence. Many people don't make it here. So we have people that are stuck here. That's, that's the good guys, the good ones, are stuck here. They're independent, and they're just independent. But unfortunately, we have a whole lot of more people that are stuck where they are codependent. They are codependent. There's something they are, they, that, that they, are, they have a limp. There's something they, they are relying on. They, they need a crutch. 
It's either it's an addiction or it's a personality or something is wrong somewhere. And you will notice that there's no connection between codependence and interdependence. So what is the way? How do I get from codependence to interdependence? The way is to come here, come here, so that you can come here. Interdependence means I'm bringing something to the table. You are bringing something to the table. This is what I'm contributing. This is what you are contributing. As much as I need you and you need me, I'm not codependent on you. And you are not codependent me. So it's, it's, a horrible, it's a horrible thing to have, be in a relationship with someone and suppress the person from expressing their gifts. The person cannot express their, their God-given talents or giftings. The person cannot express themselves. They are dependent on you. If you cough, they jump. That's not God's will. So, Pastor, what are you saying? The key to life is not independence. The key to life is what? It's interdependence. Everybody say interdependence. The phrase one another, each other, appears over 50 times in the New Testament. Interdependence. Love one another. Be patient with each other. Forgiving one another. It's interdependence interdependence. We need one another. Interdependence. Romans 12, 5b. Romans 12, 5b says to us that since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to come on, we belong to we belong to each other and each of us need all the others. So, look at your neighbor and say to them, you may not like my face, but you need me. <laughs> I'll also say, but I also need you, I also need you, I also need you. I also need you, I also need you. We need one another in an interdependent situation. So, no matter how gifted you are, no matter how wealthy you are, no matter how anointed you are, the truth is this, you cannot fulfill your God-given purpose by yourself. It's impossible. You cannot fulfill God's purposes for your life by yourself, no matter how great you are. And so we, we see life. The greatest lesson of life is how to love other people. That is the greatest lesson you can ever learn in life. How to what? How to love other people. So you may be asking, why do I need other people? Why do I need others? Better together. Why do I need, why do I need others? You know, I'm a lone ranger. Pastor, don't you understand? I'm Rambo. I'm one man army. I have all my ammo. I can take down the forest. I'm going to give you four reasons why you need others. I will, will close. Number one. 
I need others to walk with me. I need others to what? To walk with me. Colossians 2, 6-7. Colossians 2, 6-7 says to us that just as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so what? So walk in him. The truth is, you are not meant to walk alone. Again, I'm not talking about Liverpool. You are not meant to walk alone. You are not meant to walk alone. God doesn't want to walk alone. And you know, you know what? What a lot of us, a lot of people discovered after they've been married is that marriage doesn't solve loneliness. You can be married and be lonely. You can be on the same bed with a person, but you feel as lonely as ever. Marriage doesn't solve loneliness. Marriage was put in place in a move in direction to solve loneliness, obviously. But marriage in itself does not solve loneliness. So what solves loneliness? Community. Everybody say community. Community solves loneliness. Community solves loneliness. There's a a Zambian proverb, you know, um, that says that if you walk alone, you walk fast. But if you walk together, you walk far. If you walk alone, you walk fast. But if you walk together, you walk fast. And that speaks for itself. If you want to go fast, go alone. But you won't go far. We need each other. There's no one that can run this race alone. It will not work. So what is God's solution to loneliness? What's God's solution to loneliness? Community is God's answer to loneliness. God hates loneliness. God has created physical family to combat loneliness. God has created spiritual family to eradicate loneliness. So community is God's solution to loneliness. When you cut yourself off community, when you don't want to be a part of a local church, when you don't want to join a live group, you're setting up yourself for trouble. So number one, I need others to walk with me. Number two, I need others to work with me. I did say, you know, I tried to say, okay, walk, walk and walk. It sounded the same to me. I'm like, how do I differentiate walk and walk? Walk and walk. I remember my Ghanaian friends, work. So I said, okay, I'll say that. I'll use work. So, <laughs> I need others to work with me. So, number one, I need others to walk with me. And number two, I need others to, to work with me. So, we're on the same page. I need others to work with me. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says to us, Ecclesiastes 4.9, that two people are better than one because they get more 
done working together. More done working together. So, working together. So, if you want to go and achieve more, you need company. When you have people working with you, you don't get tired easily. And between yourselves, you get more done. The people must be in an interdependent relationship. If you have people working with you in a codependent relationship, you're going to get less than optimal. Because one person is, is like a parasite. But in a proper interdependent relationship, you will get a lot more. So God's um, solution to fatigue is community. Community is God's answer to fatigue. You need help. You need help. I need help. None of us can be all that God has created us to be without other people. I mean, God's favorite house, God is going to do amazing things through us. In Jesus' name. There's no way one man can do it by himself. I can't. In fact, I didn't get there by myself. We all got here together. Praise the name of the Lord. Galatians 6.10 says to us, that every time we get a chance, every time we get a chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. So God is saying, in the community of faith, we need to work for the benefit of everybody then take it outside of the community of faith for the benefit of everybody. Not just for your benefit, for the benefit of everybody. So when to be healthy, to have a healthy spiritual life, you, you must be in a community of faith. You must come and join a local church. If it's not here, it's fine, but join a local church. Don't just join the big church. Be a part of the life of the church. Join a small group. So what I'm saying is this. To be a healthy believer, you need a large group worship. You need large group worship and you need small group fellowship. To be a healthy believer, you need large group worship and small group what? And small group fellowship. I know some people try to say, oh, we, I just have fellowship. I don't, it's small groups. We don't need a large church. You know, some people say we need a large church. You don't need the small groups. You, you need the two. There's a, there's a value for the small groups and there's the value you get from the large fellowship. Large fellowship where we come together, bring our fires together. It is awesome and powerful. You have access to pastors that can pray with you and counsel you. And if you think that you know everything, the word of God has something to say to you. Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. Come on. Can't remember the verse. Put it up. Okay, verse 26. It says, the voice, translation says this, anyone who puts confidence in himself alone, who puts confidence only in himself, is a what? Is a fool. Is a fool. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. But the person who follows wisdom will be kept safe. Another translation says, the NLT, those who trust in their own insights. 
alone that is are foolish. But anyone who works in collective wisdom is safe. In the multitude of counselors, there is what? There's safety. There's safety. So why, why do I need people? Why do I need people? Number one, I need people to... I can't hear you. I need people to... Walk with me. <laughs> Number two, I need people to... To work with me. <laughs> and number three, I need people to watch out for me. I need people, I need others to watch out for me. When you're traveling, you tell someone you're traveling. Your neighbor, maybe. Maybe not, if you don't trust them. But you tell someone so the person can take a look <laughs> and keep watch at on your stuff. When you take your children to the boarding house, you usually would, would pally a teacher, if you are wise, that is, you know, or a senior student to watch out for that child. But the question to you is, who is watching out for you? Who is watching out for your soul? Who is watching out for your spiritual development? Who is watching out for you? I gave the example in the ATM service that, you know, there was a time that I thought I'd, I'd worn a jacket before, but apparently I hadn't. So, and if, if you are, the new jacket will have the, the back stitched together in a way, right? You know, so you have to remove the stitches to free, I mean, the flap and all that. So, because I thought I'd worn the jacket before, I, I just put it on. I didn't remove the... The, um, the stitches, and I was about to leave from the office to come to church, and a child says to me, oh, Pastor, you're, you have not removed the, um, the stitch on your jacket. I said, okay, help me remove it. So, and he did, he helped me remove it. So I, I came, and, you know, you didn't know anything happened, you know. <laughs> but if he hadn't watched out for me, I couldn't see my back, I would just be here, be preaching, and people would be laughing, and I would think I'm funny or something, or they're getting blessed. I wouldn't know that they're they're like, uh, uh, uh. so we have to watch out for one another. And like I said, I mean, in the ATM service also, if my zipper is down, please tell me. When I'm preaching, don't let me preach a whole sermon with my zipper down. <laughs> Are we not family? No, 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 wait, wait, wait. Are we not family? So if my zipper is down, you will just keep quiet. Say, Chai, this pastor. <laughs> I'm sure you won't do that. You have permission. Just wave. I do like this. I'll get the message. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. I'll get the message. You shouldn't turn a blind eye on your brother's zipper. Don't. We need to watch out for one another. Hebrews. 13, 1. Hebrews 13, 1 says in the CEV version, keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. Ecclesiastes 12, Ecclesiastes 12, sorry, 4, verse 12, says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. It says, but two can stand back to back. Everybody say back to back. Yeah. Two can stand back to back 
and conquer. Three are even better. A triple braided cord is not easily broken. Two can stand back to back and conquer. The question to you this morning is this. Is there anyone watching your back? Is there anyone watching your back? Who is watching your back? In church, we have systems in place to make sure that happens. Join a life group. Go for counseling. Don't think you know everything by yourself. Who is watching your back? Who is watching your back? Are you wearing a suit with, with the stitches still on? Who is watching your, your back? So, what is God's solution to defeat? Community. Community is God's answer to defeat. Community is God's answer to defeat. Even the pros need a coach. The number one tennis player in the world today is who? Come on. It's still Mario, isn't it? He has a coach. He has a coach. You know, I mean, why does he need a coach? He has the skills. The best golf players today, they all have coaches. Why do they need coaches? Why? Because they know that he that relies on his own insight alone is a, is a fool. In fact, the um, two U.S. Open, two years ago, just about two years ago, I think, two years ago, the only person that went to that U.S. Open without a coach was a black man. Monfields. He, did, he came without a coach and he was on fire. If you watch those, he was, he was in form. And he had his headphones. And when they were interviewing, they said, what was he listening to? He said, he's listening to Beyonce. Black man. He met Federer. Federer is a tennis legend. He came with his coach. Is he a fool? Because the pool that can see what you cannot see. You may be able to beat them in tennis, but they can see your flaws. I'm sure Federal's coach cannot beat him. True or false? But he still needed the coach. Why should arrogance destroy your life? Everybody needs a coach. Everybody. And guess what happened? Federal Morphils. Okay, guess, guess who won? It was a sad story. Very sad story. Ecclesiastes 4.10 <laughs> says, if one person falls, another can reach out and help. But people who are alone, when they fall, are in real trouble. Real trouble. Another translation puts it this way. The voice translation, it says, if one of them falls, the other can help him. But who will help the pitiful person 
who falls in love. The pitiful person. So I need people to, number one, walk with me. Number two, I need people to, to work with me. Number three, I need people to watch out for me. And number four, I need people to wait with me and if necessarily, weep with me. I need people, I need others to wait and if need be, to weep. I need people to wait with me if I'm waiting for, for good news. I'm in between jobs or I just came out of school. I, I don't have a job. I'm waiting for a new job. Nobody should have to wait alone. I got married. I'm trusting God for the fruit of the womb. And it's so lonely because nobody wants to be your friend. Everywhere you look, you're seeing pregnant women. Even the bus conductor looks pregnant. When you are waiting, God doesn't want you to wait alone. Nobody should wait alone. When you are weeping, God doesn't want you to weep alone. Nobody should weep alone. People should be there with you. And, and that's God's safety net. So, God's safety net is a group of other believers committed to you. People that are just committed to you. They may not have all the answers, but they are committed to you. They are there to support you. They are there to give you emotional support. You are going through stuff. They are there for you. They are there for you. And that is what God wants for you. Many of us, we are going through stuff alone. We are going through a season of financial challenge, and you are going alone. Why? Why? The people may not have the money to solve your problem, but they will be there to support you, to pray with you. And who knows? They may even have some money to support you with, but God doesn't want you to be alone. God doesn't want you to be alone. First Peter 3, 8. A part, living Bible. It says, you should be like one big happy family, full of sympathy, Towards one another. Towards each other. That is what God wants for us. That's what God wants for us. Keep it up, yeah. That's what God wants for us. Full of sympathy. Towards each other. First Corinthians 12, 26. Says, If one member suffers, how many should suffer with it? Oh, should suffer. God doesn't want anyone to bear the pain alone. God doesn't want it. You shouldn't go through despair alone. There's a story um, I came across of a man in the U.S. that died in his, in his house. And for two years, nobody knew he was dead. He was dead for two years. He died in his house. Nobody knew. I mean, imagine the kind of life he lived. Perhaps, maybe he was a member of a church and they said, join a life group. For where? Or maybe he just saunters from church to church. Oh, join a local church. For where? The day he passed on, nobody knew. For two years, nobody knew. 
before you say that, oh, that is in that culture, it can't happen in our own culture. Something happened that really shocked me last, last year. A lady hasn't been in church. This was just two months, actually. And she said that she fell in her house and she couldn't come out for over a week or something. And nobody knew. And she said, she was trying to say, hey, Pastor, nobody called me, you know, and for two months, nobody called me. You know, while well, I felt sorry for her, but I said to her that, have you heard me say, join a live group before? She said, yes. I said, why do you think I, I, I was telling you to join a live group? You see, many times when God tells you to do something, you think it's for your, you see, God wants something from you. Really, it's for your own good. If she was a member of a live group, what would have happened? Someone would, there's no way. Or if she's serving in a department, there is no way. If she's active in a church, there is no way it's going to happen. God's solution to despair, again, is what? It's community. Community is God's answer to despair. Community is God's answer to despair. Romans 12, 15. Romans 12, 15 says, be happy with those who are happy and what? Weep with those who weep. The challenge with us, why we don't want to join, a lot of people don't want to join a life group, don't want to be accountable in the community. It's because of fear. Fear. We are afraid what can happen, the negative things that can happen. Oh, if people hurt me, what will I do? Or you've had an experience. Or you, somebody has told you, ah, church, you have to be careful, oh. Just mind your own business. I'm not here to say church is perfect, no. Because the day you find a perfect church, and you join that perfect church, that day you join, the church has become imperfect. Why? Because of you. Uh, because of you. <laughs> so, there's no perfect church anywhere. But the point is, the word of God is life. If the word of God says, do something, do it. If it appears you didn't get the result, do it again. But guess what? Because the scriptures cannot be broken, you will get the results. That's how I run my life. That's how I run my life. So, God is saying, join a life group. You're afraid. Go for counseling. You are afraid. God doesn't want you to live in fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says to us that the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to be afraid of people. He doesn't want you to be afraid of people. What does he want? He wants you to be wise. Everybody say wise. Wise and strong. To love and enjoy being with people. God wants you to be wise and strong. God doesn't want you to be afraid. No, he doesn't. So where do you go from here? For some of us, when a traumatic situation, you need counseling. Come see us. That's why we are here. For some of us, you need community to combat loneliness. 
lethargy, to combat defeat, to combat despair. Join a life group. Get engaged in the life of the church. Praise the name of the Lord. But don't hear this message and do nothing. You say, but pastor, um, there's no life group around me or there's no one around me that I like. Start one. Start one in your house. Oh, but I'm not a pastor. Don't worry. We can even bring somebody that will help you, you know, lead it. But don't just be a hearer of the word and not a doer. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. Pastor, pray with me. I need to be in relationship with Jesus. You have never given your life to Jesus or you used, used to be born again and you are backsliding. You are like, Pastor, can you pray with me? I want to come back into fellowship with God before I can begin to talk about fellowship with, with men. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Wherever you are seated, you do not need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, I'll pray with you. Pastor, pray with me. Put up your hand down over your head. That is me. God bless you. Put up your hand. Put up your hand well. God bless you. God bless you, ma. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. Over there. You can see that hand. Keep the hands up. God bless you right there. God bless you right there. Keep the hands up. Once you have the card, you can, you can put on your hand. That is me. Pastor, pray with me. I, I've never given my life to Jesus. I want to commit my life to Christ. Put up the hands. I want to pray with you. Now. Now. You don't need to come forward. I'm not calling you forward. Don't worry. There's no gimmick or anything. I'm not calling you forward. Just where you are sitting, I want to pray with you. God bless you. Keep the hands up. Keep the hands up. Not over your head. Not on your head. Over your head. Slip it up. That is me. If your online instructions are scrolling, instructions are scrolling, if, if your hands is up and you're not being attended to, just wave it. Wave it. Wave it so they can see it. The rest of us. Talk to God about what you have heard. Some of us, we need to move from codependence. Find our way to interdependence. You need to ask God to help you. I'm, I've been a codependent person. Or I'm in a codependent relationship. Help me, oh God of heaven. Help me. Help me. Father, we pray for everyone that is surrendered to you. Today we ask in the name of Jesus that you release your life unto these ones in the mighty name of Jesus. Help them, my Father, to be all that you have called them to be. And let your name be glorified. Lord, we pray for everyone that has heard your word. Be graceful us to be doers of this word given to us. Honor and glory we give unto you. Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Let's ask God for the Lord, for his word and his